Hey everyone, welcome to the Beyond the Arc podcast. Once again, I'm here today with my co-hosts, Yash and Gavin. How are both of you guys doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yep, as always. So we'll hop right into this. So we're continuing our uh, 30 teams in six pod series. So now we've moved on to the next five teams. Um, we have the Portland Trailblazers, the Sacramento Kings, the Los Angeles Lakers, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Washington Wizards. So the teams around this range are probably right now, uh, or in terms of record-wise, like this is probably around like where the playing range kind of is. Um, so these teams are kind of scrapping for that, at least last season. This season, the outlooks for these teams are going to be pretty different across the board, except maybe for like the Wizards, but we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, but yeah, so we'll start with the Blazers. You know, we, we have a resident uh, Blazers fan here, Gavin. Start, yes. uh, start us off. Well, you know, as always, a little disappointing to see uh, see the Blazers end up here. But it was a tough year last year, especially with uh, Dame missing a good amount of time. And um, we definitely uh, we definitely threw in the towel at some point. It was um, it was definitely a lost season. But a lot of things to be excited about. Um, specifically, you could start with. Uh, the acquisition of Jeremy Grant from um, Detroit. I thought that was a great piece of business by the Blazers. Historically, we love to give up um, way too much draft capital to get a win now player uh, a la Robert Covington for two first round picks, which was a gigantic mistake looking back on it. And now Robert Covington's not even with the team, but uh, unprotected. Uh, actually, I don't remember if it was unprotected or protected, but 2025 Milwaukee first rounder, I believe went to Detroit in, um, in exchange for Grant, and, and I think that's a great piece of business given that the Blazers need a two-way wing, some athleticism, some scoring potential, and that was at uh, relative to relative to what we've given up for other stars. As I mentioned, that was that was a great cost, and so great to see Grant come in as well as you know, Ant Simons had a really phenomenal year. I know Josh and Matt have done a lot of extensive work on Ant Simons, and he's he's. Uh, has all the makings to be one of the next great guards for the Blazers. So very excited about him. And I'd also mention Josh Hart, who in the lost season really found his stride or found a, found a role in being, he won't be a, he won't play that role when we get Dame back and we're playing competitive basketball, but he was really uh, showing a lot offensively, um, even off the dribble and stuff like that. And so, you know, that was encouraging to see. And I think he can be a big part of the team going forward. Yeah, in a way, I kind of think about this team in terms of structure. It's actually very similar to how they were um, during like the Damian CJ years when they had those two guards and they had two two wings that are kind of interchangeable. Back then, you know, they had Mo Harkless and Al Aminu. I bet oh, Gavin's God. a cast. Uh, <laughs> we're super excited to hear those names. Um, but I think their wings now are a little little more better. You know, I, I like them to see a little Jeremy Grant. Um, I think Justin Winslow is actually pretty interesting too, just as like a connecting passer. Uh, he can really push the break defensively. I think he's pretty good. And, you know, he had that little, uh, that little bit of time in Miami when he was like playing like the one for them, essentially. Because I remember, because this was, I think, pretty, I think it was like early in our high school days. Because I remember we had a fantasy basketball league. I had Justin Winslow. Man was racking up all the, all the stats, like double, double, triple doubles, rebounds, assists, points, like, Good, really good fantasy player. Um, obviously, you know, I don't think he's going to be playing the one for this team, but they have some pretty interesting lineup configurations. They have a lot of um, guys kind of like the three, four, even a little bit of five, like Trendon Watford, Jabari Walker, Greg Brown, 
don't know how much those three are contributing because they're a bit on the younger side, but um, I like their length. I think the main question for them is just like how good can this team be defensively? Because offensively, you know, you have Lillard, Simons, Nurkic is a pretty good offensive uh, offensive player. Jeremy Grant scaled down maybe from a little less ISO ball from him, but you know he's still he's he's improved tremendously offensive player. You're going to see growth from this year, little. But like, how good could you guys think this team um, are going to be defensively, Josh? I think all of that comes down to where Yusuf Nurkic is at, like physically and in terms of engagement. Uh, watching Blazers games last year, you know, to be fair, a lot of that was for Anthony Simons. Uh, but, you know, I noticed that, you know, Yusuf Nurkic was not as productive or it was not productive period on the defensive end. In fact, it was uh, quite a negative. Um, and, you know, you can attribute some of that to Portland's situation. Uh, but Nurkic was also coming off of a pretty serious leg injury the year prior. And his level of health activeness is going to determine what scheme they end up playing. Uh, Portland's played a, tr- uh, a type of, an, uh, how, how do you call this, uh, an, an a- aggressive hedge- uh, hedging scheme with their big, uh, where they come to the level of the screen and uh, rely on their back line. And, you know, now that they have both Dame and Simons, you know, two limited guard defenders uh, who are going to be involved in that back line that puts a little question mark as to how productive that scheme can be. Uh, but if Nurkic is, if he does his part, if he's mobile uh, on that end, you know, he could ma- help make that scheme work. And what Nurkic also has as an advantage defensively is his size and, uh, you know, which he can use to bother people at the rim. Uh, and so if he's active, if he's engaged, it's all going to come down to him to dictate where Portland goes defensively. Um, they also acquired uh, Gary Payton the second this offseason, uh, who was a, a, highlight, a second highlight alongside uh, Jeremy Grant. So even as a bench, uh, even as someone that's coming off of the bench, uh, he's going to have an impact, you know, not only in what he can do at the point of attack and playing passing lanes and, uh, you know, just as a team defender, but also in shifting that culture defensively. Uh, bringing a sense of leadership, especially under head coach Chauncey Billups, who's more of a defensive-minded coach. Uh, so I think they have some possibilities, but again, they have Dame and Anthony Simons, uh, which may end up capping how good they can be. Yeah, I'm pretty interested in, in the fact that they have a couple different lineups they can go to. Um, let's just say Nurkic is not cutting it. like he, He's kind of more towards how he performed defensively last year. You can put in maybe like a three, four, five of like Grant Winslow, Nasir Little, or like throwing Shendon Watford somewhere, uh, maybe some Josh Hart. Um, if, you know, just Nurkic is getting cooked on defense, you can go to that. And then maybe if the other teams, like Simons and uh, Simon, or someone in the other backcourt just killing Simons and Lillard, maybe you take out Simons and put in Gary Payton the second. But I think Simons might be at the point um, where he's just too good offensively where you can't take him off the floor. Um, so that, that'll be interesting to see. And then Chauncey Billups, you know, he was under Ty Lu um, on that Clippers coaching staff when, you know, they, they went to those ton of wing lineups with like, with like PG Kawhi, Markeith Morris, Nick Batum, Reggie Jackson, I think something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, going to those sort of lineups might be a thing, but I just like this year that they have a lot of different things they can go to. They're not as limited as years before. And you throw Gary Payton the second, they're probably the best point of attack defender they've had in, I, I don't even know how long, <laughs> but very long. 
Yeah, very long. And then, you know, even Keon Johnson, too, uh, really explosive laterally. Um, so some pretty good flashes in terms of um, just like coming or not coming off screens, but like uh, fighting over screens, things like that, just on ball defense. Um, but yeah, where do you guys see this, the ceiling for this team? We'll start with uh, our resident Blazers fan, Gavin. Um, well, I just wanted to, I wanted to mention one thing real quick, but like, that's a great point about the wings and how we can play like that. And I also think that's going to be huge, especially with Grant of being able to take the pressure off of Dame and Simons as ball handlers, because it's been, I don't remember the last time we've had a wing that's been able to handle the ball or offer anything like on ball creation offensively. And if we do go to a more wing heavy lineup, or it's like, we need more size. And I feel like watching Jeremy Grant in Detroit, that was what he was doing like almost in, entirely on offense was he was the primary like pick and roll guy and being able to create. And now granted he didn't do it like incredibly efficiently, but if you can just even take a little bit of the pressure off of Simons and Lillard, or if we're, we're in a situation where we're only able to play one of those guys because of the previously mentioned defensive um, defensive uh, shortcomings of the two guards, that's going to be huge. And, you know, and that, that also, I can see our like, you know, shade and sharp kind of taking a similar role in that sense in that, like, he's going to be a big wing who can also handle the ball and be able to do some on ball stuff in that, in that sense. So um, in terms of projection, I, I think, I think of, I think a play in spot to the eight, seven, like play into seventh seed is, is the range. I mean, you know, the West is just tough in general. And the Blazers have really been teetering on the on the fringe of contention or are we going to make it apart from that one, you know, miraculous run to the to the final or to the conference finals against the Warriors with Myers Leonard playing before um, there. There hasn't been a lot of, you know, promising or it hasn't been hasn't been concrete contention, I would say. So I think um, seventh to the play in spot is a is a realistic projection for this team. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I, yeah. Uh, I'll, yeah. So I agree with that as well. Uh, I think uh, they have some limitations. Uh, you have Damian Lillard in the backcourt, a healthy Damian Lillard may I add. Um, and, and like Matt mentioned, they have some things to tinker with, but I, I think that's about fair. Seven to play in. They could be one of those teams if, let's say, maybe Denver has more injury issues, Memphis falls off a little bit, um, Dallas you know, is not really performing to what, what they're expecting. They could maybe sneak into, like, a solid playoff spot. I do think they're that level of team. Um, kind of the theory for them, at least how I'm thinking about it, is just, like, they could be, like, a team like Dallas last year where on, def- on the defensive end, you look at their team, and it's just not, like, it's not, like, outstanding personnel. Um, but what they do is they just, like, really hone in on the details. They execute super well. So maybe if they can find that under um, Chauncey Billups. Um, and I know – like they're, they're just different people, but like Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd, both player coaches, both came from like defensive minded backgrounds. Um, so maybe there's some parallels in that sense. And the Blazers could be a team that just executes at a high level on the defensive end. Um, but yeah, I think realistically probably playing the seven spot. We can move now to our second team, the Sacramento Kings, who they did some things in the past year. I guess we could put it like that. Um, I guess kind of the big question where we can start is just like, how good can this team be? Cause they kind of gave up a decent amount to get 
Sabonis, got rid of Halliburton. Like, how good is this team in reality? I think there are. I think it varies depending on where you are on the Kings, I, and I think there's a lot of reason to be spe- uh, skeptical skeptical about them. Uh, of course, you know they haven't won in a long time. Uh, you know, even their stars, you know, Darren Fox, uh, someone who's coming off of a down season, uh, you know, hasn't exactly put it together quite yet. Um, but I think there is reason to be optimistic. You know, Fox and Sabonis, uh, they ended up building some sort of synergy towards the end of last season. Uh, you know, Fox uh, sort of relegating himself more to an off-ball role, playing off of Sabonis, who, as we know, is a great ball handler for a big and, and passer. Uh, so some, they ran some like top of the key stuff of you know, Fox cutting off of uh, the attention he draws. Um, so I think for them, it's about figuring out how their offense is going to be structured. And again, they also ended up retooling with uh, the wings and guards. Uh, they sent Kevin Herter or excuse me, they acquired Kevin Herter via trade, I believe. Um, and that's who's likely going to end up starting for them at the two. Uh, they drafted Keegan Murray, who I think is an NBA-ready guy. He's going to help them immediately, uh, especially defensively. Uh, so for them, it's about you know figuring things out and, and piecing them together. Because right now, it's still a big question mark for them on both ends. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree on all fronts. I mean, my my uh, my gripes with the Kings organization in terms of personnel moves and and whatnot are uh, are well documented um amongst yash and matt i think they are familiar with my uh my my uh issues with the front office's decisions in terms of their team building i personally personally lower on the kings because i just feel like and i've thought this for a while that i feel like building around De'Aaron fox is is not it's not it, and it hasn't been it hasn't been so far so i feel safe saying this it's not conducive to playoff winning or playoff contention and you know I just think Darren Fox in the half court has really not progressed to the level that he needs to be for how much the Kings are relying on him I feel like he still um, is primarily a transition guy and you know and that's and he's elite at that I mean one of the best in the game for sure but I mean in in the half court and when the game slows down I feel like that's not his strength and especially you know, you consider the guys that they have in the front court, uh, Rashawn Holmes, uh, Sabonis now, you know, strength, uh, like really clogging up the paint and not allowing a lot of space to operate. That only hinders what Fox can do offensively as he's strongest going to the basket for sure. Um, so I just think it's like a lot of like a lot of the guys that they've brought in just don't mess with how they're trying to build around or they don't mesh with what the strengths are of their presumed franchise player in De'Aaron Fox. Um, with that being said, I do really, really like Davion Mitchell and Keegan Murray, two of their most recent draft. They're their two most recent first rounders. Um, Mitchell especially um, really developed offensively last year. Um, he, and he, he was known for his point of attack defense and um, on ball prowess, pick and roll defense coming out of Baylor, but he's really developed um, as a, as a more offensive threat and, and Keegan Murray had a phenomenal summer league and um, as one of the older players coming out. So he projects to be a, a strong wing player starter for them or contributor, at least um, starting out. So, I mean, I do like the young guys. I'm just confused about the direction of their team 
given the the strengths of their presumed franchise player and then who they choose to put around him. Yeah, I I think Deer and Fox, yeah, definitely not the I guess if if the, just based on how he played last year, like if he's to that level like next year, like this team's really not going anywhere. I think it's pretty dependent on him, honestly. Um, I mean, just like eye test wise, though, like when he's in the half court, like I think it looks fine. Just like that shot, like doesn't fall. Um, like to me, the way he's guarded, it feels like the or it it is. This is how it is. But like the defenses are willing to give up the three ball, even though he'll make something like it looks good. Like he'll hit them like off the dribble, like step backs, but he doesn't hit them at a, like an efficient enough clip to warrant like the defense selling out for that and making him drive because that's where, honestly where his strength is. Um, so maybe there's some schematic things they can do to like get him going more downhill instead of like having him from, to create from a standstill where defenses can like load up on him um, and he's forced to maybe like take those jumpers. Um, but just like his off the dribble game, like pull up shooting looks pretty smooth to me. Like I, I don't, the numbers to me never really matched like how Fox looked on the court. Um, so maybe, you know, we'll see, maybe this is the year after a bit of a down year. Um, there's a little bit more pressure for the Kings to break, I think, one of the longest playoff droughts in like North American sports. Um, it is the most actually ever the since most? the okay. Mariners. Sure. The Mariners just made the playoffs, so they have the yeah. longest streak officially. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's pressure to do something this year. So maybe we'll see um, a little bit more like increased motor for him. That's also part of the issue, just on both ends. Like sometimes his motor is on and off. Um, he's not super aggressive on the offensive end, on the defensive end, unless he's guarding like a marquee matchup. He's kind of just, he's a little bit lazadaisical at times. Um, if, I was looking at their defensive rating though, because I think that's an area where the team in theory is probably going to sh- uh, struggle. So pre-trade deadline, they were 29th in defensive rating, which is pretty bad. Uh, I think it was around, I want to say 114 um, but then post trade deadline, they became twenty first in defensive rating, which is a jump. But the thing is, their number or it was one fifteen point nine, but that's higher than the uh, than like the pre trade deadline. So I don't know what to make of that. Like, I guess shooting luck for other teams like kind of led like pushed the Kings like farther up the defensive rating um, rankings. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if we can like take anything away from that. But I was just watching like a. Um, one of their games, they're playing the the Bulls, and they were you know doing a pretty good job. Like they had a clear game plan, because um, the Bulls, they're they're outside of uh, DeRozan um, and Levine, like they don't really have that many like aggressive shooters. So they were doing a good job, like in DeRozan Vooch pick and rolls, Zach Vooch pick and rolls. Like the guy was tagging, staying ho on Vucevic just enough, but to close out on Ayodosuma, who wasn't taking those like skip those skip pass threes. So like they were do- doing like a good job. Like they had a clear like. They had a clear game plan. They were like, you know, um, yeah. I mean, it looked it looked all right. They had Dante Divincenzo though, and I and he Divincenzo to me was doing a lot on the court in terms of like rotating and scrambling around. They don't really have that type of guy. Um, honestly, they don't have that many like wing defenders at all. I think that's one thing we can talk about right now too, because um, they got Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes. That that's probably more like a three four. But like besides that, they got pretty much no one at the wing. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Herder will probably function in some wing, uh, depending on how they go, like Malik Monk. Uh, Casey Apollo is someone that uh, could, you know, he's bounced around the league, but again, just due to the the needs on this roster, wing defense, he could end up 
uh, getting some minutes for them. Uh, but definitely, like Harrison Barnes is someone who uh, he sl- he hasn't had the the best defensive performance the last couple seasons. Um, so I think Mike Brown is going to be huge just across the board. Uh, coming in as a defensive coach, uh, bringing that sense of accountability. Um, I, I think the Kings just need a culture shift, and he's that guy for them. And it's going to have to begin on the defensive end. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I was just gonna. I I think uh, Keegan Murray is gonna is gonna be huge for them. I mean, I touched on it earlier, but you know, and I also think I think he can guard up at the, at. I mean, he's six eight uh, about probably. Wait, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but like I think their issue is they don't need people to guard up. They need people to guard down. I think that's mainly their their issue. They guard more of like the two threes versus like the four fives. I don't know if that's just me though. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were suggesting guard more four fives. Cause I see, I feel like they're more undersized going, going towards the bigger guys. I mean, honestly, they might be just undersized both ways. But no, but I mean, yeah, I think I, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they how they tinker with that and how they use the lineup combinations. Like you said, Yash, like you know, Herder can be a guy who can play that three in a pinch. I mean, because he has the size for that. Um, but yeah, also with with Fox, I don't want to harp on Fox. I mean, I don't. I I, I try to steer away from hater, just like hater. being a hater. I know, I know, just like just harping on the guy. But I just really think. Like, especially for how much, like I said, just how much the Kings have invested into him as a franchise point guard. It's just like the development or like his development towards being the main guy, the number one option on a strong playoff team has just has plateaued. And I just and I a lot of it, I think, comes down to his shot. I mean, I was looking at I was looking at my numbers, my, my synergy numbers, uh, like jump shots. He shot from three jump shots from three, he shot 29.3%. And then dribble jumpers, any dribble jumpers, twos or threes, he was 27.4%. And that, yes. I mean, that, you know, that's just, that's a huge factor. You are, you're going to watch like 90% of the teams they play against just go under, you know, you know, his strength is getting downhill, going to the rim. You just keep going under that screen. And at some point it's going to, it's going to get him stuck. And that's why a lot of his production has been, has been um, transition based, and that's how he's how he's been uh, really um, spectacular, which is great. But uh, that's not, you know, as we know about playoff basketball and competing, that that's not the the main part of the game or how you how you're going to win the game. You can't you can't win a playoff game playing in transition the whole time because inevitably the game does slow down. So I I and I think maybe that comes to like is Davion Mitchell going to be more there. Like how do you, maybe you try and get Fox in an off ball role? He's coming off of he's coming off of handoffs. He's coming off of pins. Like you know, get it, manufacture him going downhill. This was something I was looking at when you talk. I mean, this complete this is tangent, but like R.J. Barrett, how he he struggles more in the pick and roll of creating space for himself. But they started running him off handoffs off of Mitchell Robinson, Jericho Sims, and that manufactures the space for him, and then he can get going downhill. So you don't have to. Like you're not you're not forcing him to get by that first defender when you know they're going to go under and force him to shoot it. So maybe that's something they explore this season um, to be determined as of now. Yeah, that's definitely something they should be going to, especially with they have Sabonis kind of as like an elbow hub passing big man. Um, and then last thing before we can move on, I think one way too the Kings can make up for like the lack of just like wings they have on the roster is just by playing bigger. Um, Cause I know there's been talk about, you know, maybe play home Sabonis together. And I think maybe they should do that. 
honestly. Um, and then move like Keegan, Harrison Barnes, play them at the three and just be big. Um, that's just that's just one way you can kind of make up for just lack of like strong defensive personnel. Just be bigger than the other team. Um, just make it tough for for teams. Like just having a bigger guy closing out, having more people that can contest shots at the rim, uh, things like that. So maybe that's something they could explore too. And I know Holmes Sabonis haven't played too much together, um, but just out of necessity, I think that the team might have to turn to that this year. So that'll be something to watch for the Kings if Holmes and Sabonis play together. Um, we can move on now to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh-oh. Let's it's go. About, it's about time. They made it the high, they made they made it one whole pod and then we and then we landed on them. <laughs> yep. Um for me I have written down the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. So, I know there's just been a lot of talk about them this offseason because you know it's the Lakers. It's just like parsing out like what do we buy from this past offseason? Like do we buy Russ as a point of attack defender, setting screens, playing more of a role play? Do we buy them being healthy this year? Like do we buy Darvin Ham like being there? I think Jeannie Buss on a pod said like that Darvin Ham was their like marquee signing from for this year. Like what do what do we what do we buy from the Lakers this offseason? I think they went all in on defense. Uh that was a major detriment to them uh, going into the, or especially once AD got injured and uh, they got towards the end of the season, uh, that was really their, their plight. And, you know, that began from the very top, you know, I think you know, personally LeBron, I, to me, LeBron checked out on that end. Um, and some of their offensive constraints played into that defense as well. Um, you know, LeBron, uh, they began running running lineups with him at the five just to compensate for their offensive deficits, which in turn, you know, plagued their defense even further. So I think just to make up for all of that, they went in and, and signed a bunch of defensive players, a lot of gritty, you know, like dog type players. You know, Juan Toscano Anderson uh, was one of them. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's sort of the direction I thought they leaned into. Uh, Patrick Beverly also, who was – uh, probably their highlight signing this offseason. I don't know if you guys agree, uh, but, you know, that, that that direction sort of first establishing a culture um, of, you know, accountability, uh, that sort of winning culture, uh, which usually begins on the defensive end. Uh, and then I figured that, you know, they wanted to figure everything out after that. So that was just my view on this offseason. Um. I would agree. I the way I look at the Lakers, or since they've they've uh, they put together the tandem of AD and LeBron, I look at the Lakers like every acquisition. It's not like oh my, how good is that guy? But how does he play alongside LeBron? Because LeBron really does. I mean, as we know, he elevates the play of everyone around him. I mean, he he made he made Matthew Dellavedova and that whole Cavs team look like you know world beaters, and that was like. He guys just play well off of LeBron. So then I look at guys like I look like at a, a Lonnie Walker who was having a good back half of the season for the Spurs. He signed with the Lakers in the offseason. I think he could play really well off LeBron. I think that's like he he's the type of player that fits alongside a guy like that. You know, athletic, like has potential. He was a former first rounder. Um, he's, you know, with the Spurs rebuild, he's kind of he kind of got lost in the shuffle. But now I feel like that could be a, a meaningful acquisition. You know, just you mentioned Toscano Anderson, more de- defensive oriented, but then he can, you know, he can be a serviceable shooter, someone to space the floor, just you know, do his job. Um, and so I, I, as much as 
as much as those guys are kind of like you think about them individually, you're like, okay, they're just, you know, kind of middling role players. But I think those are important acquisitions, especially if you lose a Malik Monk, you got to come back and, you know, I think losing Malik Monk, but then swapping in Lonnie Walker is a great like, like for like exchange there. Um, and yeah, I just, I think the biggest question is it comes in the backcourt and in, in terms of uh, Westbrook and Beverly, um, how much can you get Westbrook to kind of put pride aside and not shoot the 18 foot mid range and just have it air bank and, you know, just like rock the baby back down the court. And like, you know, like this is, that's not going to cut it this year. That's just not, that's not going to do it. I mean, you guys are laughing. Like you literally watched him do that. Like he's three for 18. He comes off a little pick and roll, like high banks it and it goes in, but then the next possession it's off the top of the backboard. I'm like, you, you can't, this is the, this is the yin and the yang of the Russell Westbrook experience. But like, I, I think that's going to be huge. I, I mean, Darvin Ham, first time head coach is going to, He's going to have a handful there, but um, I really like Beverly too. Beverly was quietly, I mean, you think of him as more just defensively, but I like off uh, like catch and shoot shooting threes. He was one of the best guards, like volume, like volume permitting in the league and catch and shoot threes percentage. Like he, he can definitely play that role for the team, especially when you have guys like LeBron and Westbrook dominating the ball. So um, I'm, I'm encouraged. It's, it's just going to be a matter of fitting all the pieces together and Anthony Davis's health, of course. I think the other part too, and I think maybe even slightly more important is just can LeBron and AD both be top 10 players, right? Cause if they're both, if AD's more like a top 20, top 30 guy, like I don't think this team's really going anywhere. Um, if AD can kind of recapture that 2020 bubble, um, I guess the, the jump shots are definitely a bit of a bit of a fluke, but you know, if both those guys could be top 10 players, I think this team's going to be in pretty good shape because I'm just looking at the value they're getting because they have four guys, I think, on a minimum. They have they have Schroeder, Troy Bound Jr., Juan Descano Anderson, Thomas Bryant, um, Wendy and Gabriel, I guess. But for me, like, I don't think, I don't feel like Thomas Bryant and Schroeder are really like minimum players. I don't know. I feel like they're like just in a vacuum. Like, I think their value is a little higher than that. Um, but Lakers somehow got them on a minimum, which I think is a good deal. Like they're actually like NBA players, you know, they're not like Wayne Ellington and Kent Bazemore and Avery Bradley, you know? Um, I think Damian Jones factors into that as well. Uh, another yeah. under the radar signing now that I look at it. Yeah. D- Damian's um, not on a minimum minimum. He's on like a, he's like 2.3. Um, okay. So he's a little more, I was going to get to him in a second, but yeah. What, what do okay. you want? What do you have on Damian Jones? Uh, yeah. Damian Jones. I, I think the biggest deal with the Lakers, I touched on before. Uh, the reason I thought they had to play LeBron at the five so much was because they didn't have uh, an option at that position once AD went down. And now with, you know, Damien Jones, uh, you also mentioned Thomas Bryant, they have someone who can consistently, uh, you know, give you the traits that a five has, you know, rebounding, uh, interior defense, uh, a lob threat slash or lob an interior threat, which I think is a, a huge deal, especially next to Russ, keeping him at his strengths. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest deal with Damian Jones, uh, who's, you know, someone who's played with the Lakers who excelled, uh, I wasn't quite sure why they let go of him then, uh, but they, they brought him back and, uh, I think that was the right move for them. I just find myself like talking myself into all these role players. I don't know if just cause you know, deep down, they are good players. They yeah, are I, good okay. Players, that, but, I don't know if it's just me, yeah. but like, I feel like they're all like decent players. They're definitely better than last year. Like, 
I disagree with you, Gavin, that Lonnie Walker and Malik Monk, I, I guess they're like the similar in terms of position, but in play style, I think they're pretty different. Like, I think Lonnie Walker's more of like a slashing type. Monk's more of like a jump shooting guy. Um, I was just thinking like athletically and like yeah, what their, yeah. what their, that, what their ceilings sense. are. Like, I think, I think Lonnie Walker can uh, be – have some of his offense unlocked playing next to LeBron. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, what do you guys think of their starting lineup um, of – or their alleged starting lineup of none? So, yeah. Uh, Westbrook, LeBron, AD, Damian Jones. Does that does that move you guys? They, they, they said they announced Damian Jones would be a potential starter. He was – well, just based on practice footage, like uh, scrimmage. I mean – just thinking like off, off like first reaction i hadn't i hadn't seen that um that uh rumor but off the top i mean you're stirring the pot not starting beverly i don't know if you i don't know what combination in the backcourt i like kendrick nunn a lot and that's another guy they got on like a cheaper deal you thought he maybe was going to get more but i i mean i think that's i think that's an interesting combination i think having the size and ad and jones around the basket is uh is important for this team after seeing how much they gave up inside last year. But um, I don't know. That's that wouldn't, that wouldn't personally be my first choice lineup. I'll just put it like who, that. Who would yours be? Who would yours be? If I had to, if I was starting five for the Lakers, I would go, I would go Beverly and Westbrook and. Hmm. Toscano Anderson, LeBron AD. I'd start Toscano Anderson. That's interesting. I'd start him. For some reason, I, I thought you were not going to start Westbrook. <laughs> oh. No, I listen, I have my gripes with Westbrook. He is talented. It's just, can you get him to buy into a role that benefits the team yeah. the most? Yeah, yeah. Because shooting 20 jump shots and 15 mid-ranges is not, is not going to win them any games. But he is supremely talented. I'm not going to sit here and say otherwise. But... Um, Oh, Austin Reeves is another guy too that they can throw in at the two, can shoot the ball, competes defensively, allegedly hit the True. weight room this offseason. So, you know, we'll see. True. True. We got no, weight I, watch right there. Wait, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like um I like that lineup. And I think yeah. I mean playing Beverly next to Westbrook would be highly combustible. Like, you know. How? Just, just, you know, I mean, just two fiery personalities. I could see it getting a little testy. But I mean, you know. They're just competitors. They want to win. I don't, I don't think – I mean, I wouldn't let that deter me from starting them because I think they're the two most talented out of that backcourt. But Okay, quickly, let's get to predictions for this team. I think – oh, man, am I really going to say this? I think I think they're going to be out of the plane. I think they're going to be right above it. You that's, say, the, oh, that's, yeah. the optimist, that's the optimist in me. Like 7-8 like seed, you're saying? No, 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 no. I mean, like, above the plane. So, like, 6-5. Hmm. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, see, I want to <laughs> yeah. do, I don't know when to sprinkle in my, my Debbie Downer. Uh, but, you know, as we talked about, the, the Lakers have a lot of, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm segueing <laughs> into it right now. I have to, had to get it out there. Uh, the Lakers have a lot of good players, but to me, the issue is fit, uh, you know, offensively and defensively. I think they have a lot of constraints. And so, but at the same time, they have LeBron and AD. And if they're healthy, they're going to be competitive. So, you know, just in my just for my faith in LeBron and AD, I'll put them like top of the plan. So like seven, eight is my prediction for like their ceiling. Wow. <laughs> Five, six is very generous in the West. I mean, 
is this is this is all health permitting with Anthony Davis. He's only played he's played less than 80 games in the last two seasons combined. And that's like that's really bad. I mean, it's not his fault per se, but you know, he's he's fragile and a lot of that hinges on that. The the floor and ceiling with the Lakers is really wide. I would say Yes. I'd I don't know. I'd put them 6 is their ceiling. 6 is their ceiling and honestly <laughs> If it does not go according to plan, I could definitely see them falling into a similar range that they were this season. I don't think that's completely outrageous to say that's not as, at all. as LeBron gets another year on the tires and, you know, who knows what happens with AD and Westbrook and whatnot. So I'd say below the play is the floor and six is the ceiling. So you got to give me a prediction to like, what do you think is going to happen? What do I think is going to happen? Yeah. I think they're gonna be. I think they're gonna be right in contention for the play-in right at the end of the year, and and they'll probably make it in. And like that nine, makes ten, nine, ten, seven, eight. Which one? Uh, seven, eight, seven, eight. Okay, Same so range you... as the Blazers. I'm Hopefully, factoring in that. Hey, I'm... I, I'm getting hyped now. They use those two 2027, 20, 2029 20, first round picks. Get Miles Turner, Buddy Heal. This team looking. Nice. Well, that would that. Okay, timeout. That would <laughs> that would completely change my perception on. Oh, this oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. No. I... <laughs> but if say, and or butts when it okay, comes as to currently constructed, same. I say they they could. I say succeed. I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing okay. it. Sorry, I just forgot to do it. <laughs> yeah, I. That's very generous. All that's right, maybe we got we got we got to move on to our next team here. Um. Oh man, going for the Lakers, talking to the talking about the San Antonio Spurs. Nice. We just got some bangers today. Hey, put some awesome. respect on the name, man. They they finished above the Lakers last year, so <laughs> that's a great that's a great point you brought up there. <laughs> I mean, I think the main issue here is they don't have a point guard in their roster, and I think that I mean, you know, they're not trying to win games this season, but I think you just still need a point guard just to facilitate like just good habits on the floor. I guess you have Trey Jones, but he's never really gotten minutes like that. So um, maybe you know we'll see um, we'll see him level up. Maybe Trey Jones could be the next highest Jones. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I know Josh Primo got some reps as a point guard, but he's. He, I mean, I think last year, if I wasn't, if not, if I'm not mistaken, he was the youngest player in the NBA. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and like you know, it's just that's that's just it's still an adjustment, and I think of it more as of a two than a one. Um, still have Josh Richardson on this roster. Maybe he can just soak up those backup one minutes. Blake Wesley, maybe. Um, it's getting a little dicey, but you know that's the point. They're not trying to win. It's just I'm a little worried about facilitating bad habits. Keldon Johnson's clearly their star on this team. Um, there's reports about he just you know he cut down weight, so now he's going to be more of a three than a four. So that's pretty interesting. He's a he's pretty he's a really skilled really skilled player, um, but he's a little bit undersized to play the four. He's six six um, versus like a six seven six eight, but he can shoot the ball, attack, close out, do all of that. I think run a little bit, pick and roll, and you know we'll see we'll see how he is this season with probably the most opportunity he's ever had in his career. So what are your guys' thoughts on the Spurs? Um, I'm, I'm excited to watch them. This is kind of this, the Spurs being in this range reminds me of when our first pod, when we talked about, you know, like guys like or teams like the Rockets and the magic where they just have a lot of guys I'm interested in. And, you know, uh, they bring in, they start, they bring in five rookies and, um, all five of these guys, I feel like, especially with the Spurs' current makeup and like what they're going to be looking to achieve this year, I think they'll all get um, minutes in some capacity. And I mean, you said they don't have an established point guard, but, but I mean, 
They did take uh, Malachi Branham and Blake Wesley first round. And they also took Sohan, um, Jeremy Sohan, who's a de facto point guard. Is That's kind of how he was utilized at Baylor. So maybe Sohan? Be, Sohan was used as a ball handler. Sohan? So not him. like a true one though. Like he's not going to no, be. No, like, no, no, not a true one. Not like an NBA saying, like, one. Like he's no, 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 really, true. Like no, I not, like push the break. No, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, no, he has some half court capabilities as a ball handler. But you know that 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 won't be that won't be his primary role. I'm understanding. But anyway, but there's just a lot of guys I'm interested. I, the backcourt's getting a little crowded. Um, be interesting to see how. I still I really like Devin Vassell um, and Josh Primo showed a lot of promise um, last year, like you said, especially being a, one of the younger guys. Um, the issue is just looking at the immediate roster come in the front court. I mean, it's really uninspiring between Zach Collins, Isaiah Roby, Elise Johnson, Jakob Pertle, and Gorgie Dang. That's Jakob Pertle's cool. I was I was gonna say apart from Pertle, I'm not seeing a lot of meaningful. Um, contributors amongst that group. As, if you can find Pirtle, especially um, like a guy like Brandon or Primo, kind of improves his like be able like ball screen read ability and like how he can do out of the pick and roll. That could be dangerous because we saw. I mean, the Dejounte Murray Jakob Pirtle pick and roll game was uh, statistically the best in the NBA last year of two man combinations. So he's definitely um, he's definitely talented in that department, but. Um, I'm, I think this – I think actually – I think the Spurs are in a good spot given their goals. I think, you know, this will be a tank for a top-five pick, maybe get one Banyana, but a lot of a lot of um, players, especially in the front court, that I think um, have a lot of potential going forward and can they definitely have time to experiment um, throughout the season. So, Yeah, the Spurs are definitely going to be doing a lot of ex experimenting. I think uh, Pop is going to have to tap into his creative side this year um but yeah i mean i just th there really isn't much of a, a recipe for success if, if you're watching the spurs it's gonna it's you're gonna be watching to see uh you know the young guys develop their skills and uh, also build on pre uh build on ex like new ones um you know devin vassell for example is, is someone that you know i want to see uh what he can do in an on, more of an on-ball role uh i think he's already pretty pretty great off the ball um you know, he's, you know, beginning with the shooting, he's good at, you know, re reacting to how defenses uh, are reacting to how you know, the defense is defending and then uh, moving off of that, you know, shaking, sinking. Uh, he has fundamentals like that nailed down uh, as well as cutting, but, you know, just seeing what guys are able to do in, in a role that uh, they're probably not going to end up playing is, uh, is really what to watch for. But uh, I really don't have much else to say about the Spurs. Who are your guys' favorite prospects on this team? Um, personally, I'd go with uh, a lot of. I like Blake Wesley a lot. Um, Blake Wesley and probably, probably Sohan. Um, but Wesley is interesting because he was utilized as a guard at Notre Dame, but like he's six five. I think he has like a six, like six eight six nine wingspan like definitely like a major plus wingspan so like i feel like in some capacity he's going to be able to guard up if he like starts to bulk up and kind of like mature physically i think that's definitely something that is a possibility for him um sohan too i like you know he's definitely he could his mobility on ball and his like his ability to navigate screens and things like that he could definitely definitely be a one through four defender i could definitely see that being his ceiling as a defensive um 
defensive piece. And I think that was for the value they got him. I mean, people, some people had him going top five in that draft that, you know, and had he gone top five, I should say that wouldn't have been completely like a jaw dropper. Like, I think he's, he's that talented and they got him at nine. I think that was a, a great, um, fun to, like a great developmental piece that the Spurs picked up. So I'm excited to watch him this year. My favorite is Primo, you know, explosive bucket getter. Um, you know, I, there, he was really an unknown coming to the draft. I thought for many, uh, you know, I was really looking for the outside in, but, uh, after watching him a bit, just following him, you know, I think he's pretty interesting. So I'll go with him. There's one name we haven't brought up yet. That's pretty intriguing. Devin Vassell. Um, I think Vassell might be the next, um, he's kind of a bit unheralded right now, in my opinion. I don't know, just in terms of like national, uh, media attention, but I mean, he has pretty good length. Um, definitely can shoot the ball he, and he's definitely showed the ability to run some like pick and roll and just he's a really good shooter really solid player good decision maker um, I don't know I just I, I just like his game like just really all around um, and I think he's going to be a another big um, beneficiary of the, the team kind of going to tank mode a little bit because I think after Keldon Johnson like that might be their guy or their second like second third guy in terms of scoring I don't know if, if you guys disagree with that or how do you how do you feel about that? Uh, I I put Primo as the second guy after Johnson. I think even though Primo is is like two years younger, but I think Primo's shown more um, on ball capabilities. He he really he really developed, especially in the late uh, latter half of the season, like as a as an on ball as an on ball creator and being able to kind of like snake screens or you create space for himself, like. He got, he, he, uh, he really polished a lot. Not, it's not completely there. He's not hundred percent there, obviously, but he really polished a lot um, considering how he looked at Alabama coming out. And then he, he was, he was able to have time to work with the team. Um, there was a huge improvement in that department. I would, I would probably say Primo has more offensive upside um, for the Spurs long-term than Vassell does. Um, that would just be, that would be my take on it. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, Vassell's probably more of like a role, like a more like a wing role player type. I don't know if role player, role player, but like he can definitely put the ball on the floor, shoot off the dribble a bit. I just like his game. That's one guy I'm definitely going to be watching this year, Devin Vassell. And it'll be interesting to see because he's 22. So, I mean, that's not, I guess that's not that old, but we'll see if he's like a, a piece of the Spurs keep or a guy they're going to flip later on um, for like more draft capital or something to a good, uh, to a contender or something like that. Um, anything to add for the Spurs and we can move on to the, a different team. Wizards. We're going down to DC. Going to DC. Yeah. Um, this team is very weird. I don't, I, I really don't know. I really don't know what to say about this team there. I mean, Bradley Beal, Chris stops like that's your one, two, like, I, I don't know. Like, are they even a play? Are they a playing team? Like at least, are they a playing team? In this East, I mean, yeah. I, I could see it, but I don't know. That that's sort of how the whole outlook is on the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, so I would, sorry. Go go ahead, Gavin. No, I was gonna say I would I would be shocked if they were playing team. Honestly, from what uh, like what I'm looking at, just hmm. I'm, they're making those win now moves. Okay. When now moves Monte like, Morris. Monte for Morris. What, for what pieces? I mean, I just I don't know. Like 
they're know making they're, they're, win now moves so they don't got to deal with the bad press of just being bad. That's, uh, that's just kind of what it is. The, this they're is they're content of, with being mediocre. This is another one of those teams, like like kind of like when we just went over the Kings. Like it's the Wizards. It's like we were we were mentioning a little bit of this when we we finished the last pod and we were kind of previewing it. Like 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 what in the world like pieces have they put together? Like if you look at their draft history. Like, I mean, there's no notable free agents outside of um, Porzingis. But, like, you look at their draft history, they got Avdija, they got Kispert, Achimura, and John, and then Johnny Davis coming in this year. And and we'll exclude Johnny Davis. I mean, I know Matt caused quite a stir, like, already on Twitter, projecting what Johnny Ratio's Davis Ratios left be. and right. Ratios left and right. Shout out Arya. I'll, I'll exclude Johnny Davis from this criticism because we haven't seen him play an NBA game. But those previous Not three me. guys <laughs> – those the previous three guys, Avdija, Kispert, and Achimura, I mean, those were all lottery picks, and you really don't get too excited about any of them. I mean, I think they can be, you know, like solid, like, you know, 12 points, six board contributors, maybe, but those are all lottery guys, and you banked a lot of, um, a lot of like capital into them, and they just like, they don't get you excited. They don't, they don't feel like guys that can like, help support Bradley Beal or help take the load off of him um, offensively. And that's, that's really concerning. And I, that's, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, that's why I'm not, I'm kind of just, you know, I'm blase on the wizards. It's like, I don't think they, they kind of, they made the move for Przingis, but other than that, I'm not like stoked about any of the other pieces they have around Beal. Yeah. The whole thing with the, they're young players. It's sort of what they signed up for when they ended up in NBA purgatory, literally that middle of the pack. So they ended up picking, uh, you know, towards the end of the lottery each time. And over there, you are going to get good players, but, you know, they're going to end up being more of like connector types, you know, guys that aren't going to ever be a one or uh, in most cases. Uh, but, you know, and I, I don't think the Wizards, their development and their roster culture exactly maximizes those kind of players either uh which is why i think you know they've sort of uh they haven't quite shown much yet uh but you know getting into the roster uh, i think the wizards do have some good basketball players so to speak you know monte morris is a, is a quality high praise, guard high praise. <laughs> I'll, I'll, and I'll get into it but you know i we got to start with the positives as always uh but yeah monte morris is he's a good point guard uh you know he and Jokic. uh build a you know he had, he did this thing in denver uh you know they have the two guard is, is a bit interesting for them uh you know they have will barton who they also brought in uh by a trade this offseason uh who yeah bradley beal obviously uh but you know their guard outlook they do have you know nba level talent uh you know wings kyle kuzma has been their guy uh as well as hachimura and um and Denny Avdia, so they got to figure out that tandem. Uh, and then you know, the bigs is is where it gets really interesting for me. You know, Porzingis and Gafford. Uh, so they do have NBA players, but where I, I think it goes wrong is with the fit. Uh, you know, watching. Uh, you know, first off, they I don't they don't have a true number one on offense. I don't think Bradley Beal is that, uh, even though they did end up paying him for it. And uh, honestly, this roster doesn't exactly complement his play style to me. Uh, you know, watching the preseason. Uh, I just felt that the the Wizards lacked a lot of passing across the board. Um, and, you know, Bradley Beal is someone that plays almost exclusively off the ball. And if guys aren't able to get him to his spot or 
hit him at his spots, you know, he isn't going to be able to put up, uh, put up points, which is uh, his number one skill. Uh, so I think, you know, their offense is going to end up lacking a bit to me. Uh, Porzingis does bring a, a unique element as a role man. And, uh, you know, some, to some extent is isolation scoring. Uh, but I think they're going to have, if they're, if they're going to end up being good, I think it's going to have to be on the defensive end. Cause that's where I, I see more of, uh, something piecing out for them. Um, but yeah, the wizards, I, I don't know. Do you guys have anything to add about them? I really don't know what to say. I kind of want to give like kind of or clear up what I said about Johnny Davis really quick. So my, my whole point was that at the spot they selected him, like clearly right now the Wizards are trying to be somewhat competitive. Like I just think they just they don't want to be bad. So that's why you kind of take like the accomplished college player, like wins all these accolades, things like that, two-year player. And that's why you kind of draft Johnny Davis. But the the issue with that is he might not have the highest upside relative to the players that went behind them and i listed like usman Dieng, um jalen williams like just guys like that who i think have a higher upside than than johnny davis at the end of the day just because they're just like longer more athletic and for davis to hit like he's gonna need to be a supreme scorer um and then in terms of like drafting for win now like I know it's it's super early to judge, but like he's just looked nothing like himself at his time at Wisconsin, like to summer league to now. Like after he he left Wisconsin, like it's just it looks so bad. Like I don't know how you can like remotely think he's gonna help you in the next even like two years. And that's kind of I think the theory that for drafting him. And if he's not gonna be ready for two years, might as well take Jalen Williams, Usman Dieng, right? Um, and let those guys have time to develop. Whereas Davis like might not have like the the a ceiling like as good relative compared to those guys. I don't know. Does that make sense to you guys? Like, am I am I just tripping or something? Like, no, that make that makes sense. And I I agree to some extent. This is something we mentioned when we were doing our our draft pod. Like, Johnny Davis at Wisconsin thrived primarily off of like mid ranges. That was like his scoring like like uh, bread and butter was like being able to hit mid ranges. And you just and this was brought up by by many um, pre-draft was like, how is that going to translate to the NBA? Because, I mean, excluding elite guys like, you know, comes to mind DeMar DeRozan, obviously. And then you may like even like like Kyrie Irving. Of course, these guys are not Johnny Davis, nowhere near these guys and will probably never will be. But those are the only guys that really could like have excelled in mastering the mid range and being able to have that be their primary source of offense. Um, and you know, and that's, and then you, you mentioned this, like just watching his summer league and this, these few preseason games, obviously it's still limited sample. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you, you, uh, recognize this Matt too, but like, we're not, we're not writing off Johnny Davis completely, but what you're saying, if he's going to be contributing in these next two years, like it's, he's, 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 he's a little behind the, um, de- behind the development plan at this point, even, even this early on. So um, I don't think that's unfair. I, I think, you know, I'm not, again, not writing off Johnny Davis completely, but he definitely has a long way to go and is, is definitely not ready to compete um, at this very moment. So. You actually have anything to add for the Johnny Davis thing? I don't want to make this all about Johnny Davis because we're talking about the Wizards here. We're not talking about Johnny Davis here. Um, okay. But honestly, there's really uh, not much that's intriguing for this team, in my opinion, right at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the Wizards. I really don't have much more to say. Johnny Davis, I think 
he's a good player. Uh, I think uh, his struggles largely, I just, I just don't know if he's ready at this point. Um, you know, he's, you know, I watched the first preseason game, I uh, watched portions of it just for him. And in my opinion, I think he's, he's experiencing like a lapse in confidence uh, and also processing. I think the NBA game, even though it's only been preseason, I think it's been a little too fast for him. And the Wizards have only made that worse by literally shoving the ball into his hands and having him play point guard, which I don't think, you know, he wasn't even doing that in college, right? He was playing a lot off the ball from what I saw. Uh, even though he did have possessions where he was uh, playing in pick and roll, doing all that stuff, the majority of it was off the ball. And, you know, the, so far I feel like the Wizards have thrown him into the fire. Um, and, you know, speaking of who he is as a player, I think Dave, Johnny Davis to me stood out to me, or Johnny Davis stood out to me due to his ability to get to the rim. Uh, he's, I, I think he does have a pretty, uh, he has a decent first step. He's strong, he's powerful. Uh, and he leveraged that into getting to getting two feet into the paint, uh, scoring or kicking it out. And, you know, right now, you know, he's passing out when the defense, when even someone like, uh, say, sinks in to, to stunt. Uh, I just think he, he hasn't been conditioned to this level of defense yet, uh, the NBA speed. And so the Wizards are going to have to, like, sort of figure out a way to ease him into it. Uh, but then that takes away their whole goal to – supposedly win now so i don't know they're just gonna have to figure out their priorities to me like what they want to do with this team and you know i don't know if we'll end up voting any success but uh that's what they have to do first and foremost yeah totally agree davis's team context has sucked so far yeah um, to say the least um so you know hopefully you know i i obviously i, I don't want to see a player fail just for my agenda i'm not like that type of I think that's really dumb when people do that. Um, but I, I'm just not super confident in that right now. And I just don't think in general the Wizards have done a really good jo job developing literally anyone on their team. Um, I really like Denny uh, coming out. I thought, you know, he, I remember he fell a little bit um, on draft night. And then, you know, his rookie year, he's playing next to Westbrook. And then last year, he had, I know he had some like injury stuff. And just, I don't know, he just had a weird start to his career. But I just, you know, I want to see the Wizards put the ball in his hands more. Um, let him just do some more things like, yeah, and, and he's one of the guys like I know Yashi brought up that they're passing kind of lacking over on this roster. I think he's one of the guys that actually can make like good connecting passes like he's one of the only guys. Um, so I, I really want to see more minutes from him. Please like don't start like Will Barton like at the three like just start Denny Advia like don't like please I, I, I just beg of the Wizards like, like who, who did they start um, through the preseason game I'm trying to remember it was Monte Morris. They started Rui Rui? I thought he played mm -hmm. the, I thought he came off the bench as like a five. Oh no, he did start. No, he did start. And I, okay. I actually thought he was pretty good. So that is something yeah, they could look yeah. into. That, yeah, uh, he brings a different dynamic with his, his strength slashing. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they have wings. They have an abundance of those. That's one positive we could say uh, about the Wizards. Uh, but they got a lot to figure out. They got wings. They got wings. All right. Um, you guys have anything more? Or we can wrap it up here. Well. I think good we're good. Okay. Good luck to the Wizards. Good luck <laughs> to them. <laughs> might be six seed. Might might be a tough year. Lakers six seed. All right. Uh, thank you everyone for listening to the Beyond the Arc podcast. Um, we'll be back continuing the series. This time we're gonna hit some different teams. Probably a little better, or definitely a little better than these teams. Um, at least should be should be pretty fun to do. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening.